1: You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM
2: 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good morning. Good morning, Scott. How are you today? I am peachy. I'm looking forward to spring. We had some glimpses of spring this past week, but we're still firmly ensconced in wintertime here in Montana. Well, you know, this week we're doing something we haven't done before
3: in our five years of the show. We are having relatives uh, back-to-back in uh, two weeks in a row. The last uh, show we did, we did with uh, Annie O'Hein from Paris. Right. And this week we're doing her sister, Michelle, who we had on the show four years ago, actually, when she was... uh, Uh, releasing, I think at that time, uh, she had uh, a couple of new documentaries that were out, A Hundred Years and Christina, and we had her on the show. And now she has this very highly promoted Netflix documentary, which we've both seen strip down and rise up. And so uh, I'm anxious to hear Uh, you know, what's happened since the last time we had on the show and all of the attention uh, that uh, the current documentary on Netflix is getting because it focuses on a topic of pole dancing. and uh, But not from a sexual point of view, not as a gentleman's club device, but as uh, more of a a therapeutic... uh, um, you know, dealing with the shame and trauma and using erotic dance to heal feminine psyche and a whole different approach that, uh, that has been developed by Sheila Kelly uh, and her, uh, her dance studios uh, that, that, that she's developed as a result of her, you know, getting involved in, in uh, pole athletic
2: activities. Exactly. It's a great, you know, it's always fun when we, when we do have a guest back, Arnie, a repeat guest, but it's also fun when we have guests like like Michelle on because it challenges us not only as radio hosts, but also as viewers and film lovers, which we are. And, uh, you know, it takes us to places that we normally wouldn't go. And this is certainly one of them. I was really excited and also unsure about what I was going to see when I saw this film. And all like I said to you, when we booked Michelle as our guest, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it but also how much I learned so well it's a combination of enjoyment and learning
3: and a little bit feeling of awkwardness because these women are very you know very emotional about their experience and and it's very raw in some cases and it's like eavesdropping on you know a therapy session to some extent and and that sometimes makes someone feel uncomfortable you know because it's a documentary, we've been invited in indirectly into these people's lives, but these people have exposed a, a pretty wide slice of their lives uh, you know, on in the documentary, and, and it is a, a little bit of an awkward uh, position to find
2: yourself in. Well, exactly. But if there's any two guys in Montana that can handle this, it's us. Anyway. Yeah, the only two guys who
3: can handle the most awkward experiences
2: possible are you and me.
4: <laughs>
2: exactly. Okay. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Michelle Ohayan with the, the director and writer of the film Strip Down, Rise Up, as well as a guest, Allison Hudson, who is featured in the film. Back after this.
0: Have you ever won? Wanted-
3: Thank you Michelle, it's been four years since you know, it's been four years, Michelle, uh, since you've been on the show. At the time you came on, you were doing hundred years and Christina, and that's right. now you have you have this fantastic uh, highly uh, you know viewed and, and high visibility um, documentary called Strip Down Rise Up that's on Netflix about uh, the pole and pole dancing and, and its use as a uh, uh, you know helping heal. Feminine Psyche. So, my first question is How long has this been in the making, and where did you get the inspiration to launch this?
4: This has been in the making for three years. Literally, when I left Montana after we actually won the first prize at Big Sky Film Festival with 100 years, mm-hmm. I went home and six months later, I started researching the subject my daughter um, had asked me to come with her to a pole class and I do yoga, I don't do pole. And I was like, you know, you really want your mother to go with you to a pole class? Are you sure it's appropriate? Um, And she said, yeah, let's let's just try it. And so we went and I was just, I felt so good doing this workout and seeing other women and how they approach the pole. And my whole perception of what pole was changed that day, literally. And I realized there's much more to it Um, And I started uh, going from studio to studio and both in L.A., San Francisco, in New York, and uh, started taking classes in in other studios. And I saw that women were coming to definitely for fitness, but there was another aspect to it that was emotional, which is always a good um, angle to take in a documentary film. Uh, because you need a story and you need background, you need characters with an arc and transformation. and so that was part of my diving deeply into this three year project.:
3: And in the documentary, the, you're highlighting and profiling more than two dozen women. Where did they come from? Were they already existing uh, you know, uh, pole dancers or, or how did that all how did that all uh, uh, unfold?
4: So there were two groups really, some were already obviously existing like Allison here on the show, uh, Amy, uh, Janine Butterfly, who had already a career in pole dance uh, and I wanted to show that side of it, what happens and how high can you go with your athleticism um, and training and discipline beyond the expression as an art form. And on the other hand, I wanted to tell the story as it unfolded. So rather than have people tell me, oh, this happened in the past, this is how I started and just have talking heads, I needed a visual uh, aspect. And the only way to do it is to start a class, a beginner's class, that I would film and see what happens. And for that, I needed time. And we started the class with a a different kind of school of both called S-Factor, which really uh, focuses on the emotional healing through Central Dance uh, as contrast to, say, the San Francisco-Poland Dance Studio. And we formed a class, and uh, we thought, you know, maybe 10, 15 will show up because it's filming and it's a very intimate process. And we thought, "Eh, forget it, 60 women signed up. And I was like, how the hell am I going to film 60 women? This is going to be tough. And and the teachers, it's, you know... But we decided to include everyone because I I couldn't, uh, we couldn't refuse anyone who wanted to start a journey. And beyond the film, we, we didn't want to have a selection process that would not be appropriate. So we, everybody was included, 60 women, and I filmed them throughout six months to see the transformation. And I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea how many layers were going to be shed, if at all. I didn't know who was going to speak up, who wasn't. What I wanted for sure is diversity, not only in the ethnic background, but also age and body types. And that was there, which was amazing. And
2: And backgrounds, right.
4: Right. Backgrounds for sure. I mean, you know, Evelyn is a C's candy clerk. What um, I think, right. The-, that was
3: the first, the first woman you highlight was a 50 year old woman who had lost her husband, who didn't have her greatest, you know, self image and uh, of herself, and decided to, you know, her goal from the very beginning was to climb the pole. It was almost like to climb the mountain to try to un, you know, to set a goal for herself that she didn't think she could achieve, but to move herself in that direction. Let me ask Thank Allison. You. Allison, you're involved in the, in the, running a pole studio in San Francisco. How did you get involved in this project?
1: Well, I got started when I was trying to lose weight. So I got pregnant and I gained 60 pounds during my pregnancy. And I went to a personal trainer and I, I tried to work out, tried to train and lose all this weight. And I couldn't. It wouldn't fall off. And I was really frustrated at the time. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, OK, maybe I just need to accept this new body Um, but I was used to being like a size two or four and I was at a 16 and I was just not myself and it was just really hard. And I asked my personal trainer what she did to lose the weight because what I was doing wasn't dropping. And she said, I do pole dance and I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, she's a personal trainer and does pole dance. And, uh, and I go, you know what? I'm so, I'm so frustrated. I, I don't know what to do, but I don't know if I like the idea of pole dancing (laughs) because, I had a sister who became a stripper, and she it, w- it took her down a lot of really bad roads. And I had seen what it did to her, and my family very much wanted me not to go near a bowl. And I said, you know what? If you say it's not what I think it is, then I'm open. And uh, my personal trainer took me into my first class, and I was blown away by how beautiful it was and how athletic it was.
2: What I found so interesting about this film is... Like the Allison story, Michelle, is how quickly I became kind of engrossed in their stories. Like you introduced a couple of people all in a short amount of time, but I felt like I knew them very quickly. And that's the mark of great storytelling and great filmmaking is being able to do that because you're dealing with an hour and 15 minute movie. So how do you do that? How do you like, how does that work? And then how did you make the selection of who was featured? Besides backgrounds and different, and, you know, diversity.
4: Right. Well, in in the case of San Francisco, Poland dance, I sp- I had actually a Skype call. I was researching, believe it or not, I was working for CNN and researching Mormonism. And for some reason I got, I forgot who I got to, Amy first or, uh, or you first, Allison, I don't remember. But I remember the three of us, the well, four of us, there was Kirsten, who was also in the movie. Kirsten, Allison, and Amy Came to the Skype call and I was blown away by their stories. Um, Allison, you know, struggling with acceptance in a way, uh, both from her husband and her community. Alice, uh, Amy, the same thing. She ex Mormon who dealt with shame of being a sex worker, et cetera, et cetera. And those are what those traits are what makes a, a subject interesting and worth. Telling, because look, if somebody just comes to Poland to have fun and have no background story, it's great, but who you know who wants to watch that? They want to watch a real person with real struggles with real obstacles, and for me, having been having been in this business for thirty five years, there are requirements that I have for me to jump into a film is is anybody going to care question. Is anybody going to identify with those people? And third, is this going to drive you to some kind of conversation or action? Uh, Because making movies is great, but I have a bigger mission in life and that's to heal, heal myself, heal others through my films and heal the world. Of course, Tikkun Olam in Hebrew. Uh, And so those were answered by uh, Allison and by Amy and Kirsten and Evelyn. They had an important story to tell and the reason I followed so many characters was I wanted every possible woman to see herself on the screen and go, "Oh, oh yes, I, I am going through what Asin going through. I can't lose the weight. I just gave birth. I forgot who I am. I can't get in touch with my body. Or I'm going through grief. Or I, you know, I hate what I see in the mirror, etc." And okay. so it was important for me to have a representation. And what you asked me specifically about how you tell us, you know, it's, it's an art to tell a story, the nugget of it in a few minutes. So you get to understand the person is telling the truth about this person without any filters. So immediately, you know, I'm a widow. I, you know, I, I, I have no life. So right away you go, okay, I'm, I'm in, I want to hear what is going to happen to her. So that is the, that's the way in through the emotion.
2: I was glad that you included a man, a gentleman, in San Francisco, because I was wondering if that was going to happen. And what, how did you choose him?
4: I didn't choose him. I, the class was open to whoever didn't mind filming, and there was a sexy choreography class, and there was Michael. And I said to Amy, that's great, because I don't have a male in the movie, and I would like to and so he talked about getting in touch with his own sensuality there's a more to it but i couldn't fit everything and um and so he was in same when we did the competition there was this couple um competing couples and he said you know i'm here because i wanted to fix my back i'm a scientist i'm like okay that's great There was another angle in a little snippet um so yeah that's uh, i it was really this film is about women without excluding men uh, because there are a lot of films made about men, and this is about women by women, <laughs> and, and I want I want to give them that platform, and I invite men to look at it and try to understand what the journeys are for women and what what they are up against to, especially those who were victimized one way or the other. It doesn't have to be sexual. Uh, abuse, it can be as small as the first offense when you're little and you already have to cover up whatever there is to cover up. Uh, already you're feeling shame about your body, your boobs, your... and we all have gone through a version of that. So what does it take to uh, turn from a victim to a victor? And this is just one way. I'm not saying everybody has to go pole dance, but I am saying if we move our bodies and we move through pain and emotion... We have a good chance to strip down the negative issues and energy and rise up both emotionally and on the pole and become the best people we can be
3: Allison, in, in in the documentary, there there is reference to the fact that your husband had some issues with you doing this. My question a little bit deeper is, did he have issues when you decided to get involved in poll as a career? And was that compounded by being in a documentary, in a film that exposed more of your personal life than would be exposed during your normal work day?
1: So I would say that he had a problem with it from the beginning. So when I started pole dancing, he wasn't comfortable with it at all. And I think he was afraid of it. I think he didn't know what was going to happen or, or what it would lead to. Um, it, my, I, I have no idea why, but I think a lot of it has to do with what what society says of pole dancing. And my main thing and my mission is to explain to people that pole dancing isn't just stripping. And it, it offends me sometimes, but I also know it's coming when people reference, oh yeah, you go strip. And I'm like, I'm not stripping like I have to explain it over and over and over again that what I'm doing is actually a sport that I can I train competitors, I compete, it's incredibly athletic, it's hard, it's difficult. And I I sometimes get offended, but then I'm like, of course they don't know. You know, I don't hold it against him because they don't know. So he had a problem with it from the beginning because of, I think, the stereotypes and the societal expectations of what does it mean to be a pole dancer? And so I think we've come a really long way as an industry and we're trying, I think, more and more to explain to people, there are other sides of pole dancing other than stripping. Um, and how, what's his attitude now?
3: What's his attitude now about it?
1: So he struggles with it still. Um, I have basically come out and I've said you need to choose, like if you want to stay with me or not. Uh, I'm not giving up, pull. I'm not going to stay in the closet, and you have to choose to be with me with Paul or not with me at all. Like it's, it's a, it's you, you've got to take the whole part of me. You can't just take parts and leave others. Like I've explained to him over and over again that I'm never going to leave pole. I'm never going to stop pole and I'm not going to do it in the dark anymore. So, and he's, he's come a really long way. I must admit, because we are still together and I'm shocked by it because when I decided to go public, I was certain he was going to leave um but he has decided to stay with me he has decided to let me d- do this which is what i wanted i feel free now because all i wanted was to stay married and have a father for my children and pole dance in public and i i now feel like i'm where i i wanted to be and i feel very grateful because i didn't want to lose my marriage and i didn't want my oh. children to be raised oh. in a divorced family uh oh. it is still hard for him um but he knows that he if he's going to stay with me, it's it's going to be part of our relationship.
2: You know, Michelle. It, what it, was, it, so, so Arnie ask says, "Quick follow up to Allison." Yeah. So, Allison, sh- thank you for sharing that and sharing kind of post, you know, documentary kind of how things are. It, 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 you know, I wanted to ask you this, Michelle. How is it not something to kind of think about how to serialize this? Because that was the thing that I, as I watched it, wanted to see afterward. I wanted to see where they are now. Because I know the film was probably shot a year ago or a year and a half. That looks like it was shot pre-COVID.
4: 2018.
2: Uh, 2018. So where are they now? It begs the question. And has that ever been discussed or thought of? Like, Is there a next... Well, I don't know about a
4: sequel, but more like I would definitely... I am entertaining a series about pole dancing, pole competition... Uh, Because there were a lot of stories that I filmed that I could not fit in. Some of them were great competitors. I just couldn't fit it in at two hours. It was always already a stretch. And Netflix was like, cut down, cut down. I'm like, no, I'm not cutting. I need to include at least these women. And so I had, you know, quite a few who didn't make it. Um, There was definitely a series. But I want to go back a little bit for a second to Alison's story. I just want to acknowledge the courage that it took for Alison to participate in the film because it's one thing to struggle indoors behind closed doors about an Instagram account with your husband it's another thing to be on a Netflix documentary and have all the whole world watching your own personal struggle that is immense and it lives forever and I know Alison was struggling with it at some point and if I may share Alison. At some point, emailed me. Said, "No, I don't want to be in the movie. I'm, I'm, I can't." And I was like, "Allison, hang in there. I need you. I need your story because it's inspiring." And immediately, she, she was like, "Yeah, I get it. Okay, wait, I'm, I'm, i in. I'm in. I'm in." And those, the, and that is even more courageous right. because she had everything to lose. I'm um, not minimizing other women's courage, of course. You know, Amy coming forward, being a sex worker, and, you know, all, all of them. But Alison had actually something very concrete to lose, which was her marriage. Um, mm-hmm. And yet she uh, chose to participate and to inspire other women. There is a bigger story here. And that's why she's she's here today. I wanted her to... Share that because it is very unusual. And it's also, she knew the consequences. Some some people don't know. They're like, oh, I'm gonna read a movie, and they're, oh my God, you know, everybody's gonna watch me. Can I bail? <laughs> no, you can't, because it's the picture's locked. But <laughs> Alison knew going into it that it was and I have to say, I've seen these processes throughout the many films that I've made. And Alison, you can confirm or deny that there is a almost a cathartic, cath- cathartic process that happens that the camera gives you a certain kind of courage or power to go beyond your own story and think about others who are going to hear it. And that gives you courage to actually go through that door that is waiting for you to step through. I've seen that, you know, in, in other movies, uh, that this is a window for people to come to terms with their lives and face their lives and go, okay, I got to make a choice. I'm either choosing for action or I'm choosing to hide. And those who choose for action like Alison are more fulfilled and there's still problems. It's normal, but at least you're standing up for your life and yourself and your body and your art. And that is amazing.
1: I absolutely agree. I almost feel like my journey has been for a reason And I remember wanting not to tell anyone my struggles. And then I remember feeling like this is there's a purpose here and that God's using me in some way to inspire other people. And he's going to use my story and people are going to be changed. And I felt like I had a lot to lose. And I remember talking to my pastor when I told him this whole thing. I said, I'm going to be in this film and I'm freaking out. And he goes, well, wh- why would you do this? And I said, you know what? If I can help one woman, if I can help one person who was feeling like me to stand up for themselves, then it's worth it. And he was like, what? And I go, yeah, I'm like, I know I'm not the only one. And I'm, I'm right, because I've been getting so many messages from so many women after seeing this film who have said, I have felt, I have felt exactly the same way. And I did not. I thought I was the only one. So these women are coming to me saying you've inspired me and I am going to stand up for myself and I am not going to let my husband or my boyfriend shame me for wanting to do pole and they're coming out and they're coming out boldly. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like this film is touching women in so many different ways and I am definitely on the competitive sports side. I'm not on the S factor side, but I mean, the healing coming from the S factor side is amazing. And then the people that are coming forth saying I've been shamed and I'm doing this as a sport and people, I can't tell people and now they are. So there are so many different people's lives and women's lives that are, that are changed because of the film that you made, Michelle. I think this is so amazing that you took on this project and that you wanted to share this with the world because it is changing and transforming people. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it.
3: You know, Michelle, for our listeners, you know, mm-hmm. the title Strip Down, Rise Up, if you hear it's about pole, your immediate, you know, visceral reaction is, you know, it's about stripping. But the stripping that it's really about is the emotional stripping that takes place in it. And, and the fact that you're able to capture on camera so much about the female psyche and, you know, the therapeutic, Issues that emerge. It must have been as a filmmaker, you know, sort of a, 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 a an embarrassment of riches in a way that so many women, under the guise of uh, you know, s- cinematographers, I'm sure you had two or three of them filming this, were willing to talk so, you know, personally and intimately about uh, you know th- their inner experiences. You know, I, I found that uh, I found that very very moving and and uh, you know very effective. Of filmmaking.
4: Thank you. So there's two things. Uh, One is the trust that you create between you and your subject is a given in every documentary that that I make, at least the genre that I make. You have to have a bond with your subject. It's not just, Hey, I'm going to pop into your life and and film and goodbye. And I'm never going to talk to you again. It is important to establish a rapport and a respect and integrity. Um, And it's a moral obligation to me to tell the story in their own voice rather than come to the editing room and manipulate, as we know it can be done. Uh, And that's why it took me a year plus to edit the film. I wanted to keep it as truthful to their story as possible. Um, And the other thing is I had actually three female cinematographers most of the time, which were rotating. Because the filming was spread out throughout a year, I couldn't have just one DP. Um, especially in the S factor part where the emotional release was happening. I had women 90% of the time filming. I had a woman assistant uh, camera and uh, my line producer, also a woman, so we were all female crew in those uh, studios in San Francisco. It was it's a little, it's more open, and you know people are competing, so they're used to stage and performance. So it wasn't that much of an issue. Um, but you're right, it was, and that's why we we set this class of beginners, so they knew from the beginning that we were going to film and we're going to put lights up. And they're going to be not only going to their own journey, which is already a, a courage on its own, uh, but also doing it in front of two cameras and, you know, very small crew, but still we were standing in. It was a two, you had
2: a, and you had some actresses there. I, ha- I have to believe that because he did it in LA, There is just actresses that you actually trained there. Because I saw certain people, I was watching people, there's certain people that felt very comfortable in front of the camera. And there were certain people that, like the gal from See's Candy, who was just... just <laughs> She's a
4: natural. She's no, natural. Sheila, yeah. Kelly, Sheila Kelly is an actress, but that's not the, the point here at all, I think, because documentaries are not about actors, and how do you make documentaries and, and create trust? It's about, I I have to tell you, this is what I see every time again. It's about the truth. People who have something to hide will not be come across truthful in, in the camera right. and they're going to try and act and be something they are not, but the camera doesn't lie. And I move away from those people because it's not truth, an authentic story. And I've had those who really bug me to be in the movie. Yes. And then I do an interview and I'm like, where's your truth? I, I don't it Well, it take me too long to dig it up. So I have other women like Evelyn right. and Alison and, and Amy that are truthful and are willing to tell their stories in an authentic way. So, the
2: actress is actually is a disadvantage in my case so keep that, that's 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 great so uh, interestingly enough Sheila um has a connection to missoula and to montana through her and her husband richard schiff does too because um, I, didn't know that. <laughs> I honestly I, until i saw the film they actually i believe they have a niece that went to college at university of montana who graduated a couple of years ago and the reason i know that is because richard Who Arnie? This Richard is like you know is in the West Wing. You know he's just a doctor. Yeah, Yeah, great. Good doctor in West Wing. I've seen him in both. Great guy. He and I were in the Schwitz together over at the Peak, and I looked to the side of him and I go, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Don't you watch the West Wing?" I said, "Actually, I didn't didn't watch it." (laughs) And we just started talking to one another and i guess there's a connection to montana and the family but you had mentioned s factor when we talked about it at the beginning why is s factor so different than what's being done up in the bay area and that studio what's the, the 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 difference if you will
4: so it's a difference between a sensual movement a feminine sensual movement And it's non-competitive. There's no competition aspect. There's no show aspect. And it's women only. And they're uh, dancing without mirrors, pretty much in the dark. Um, And the technique of pole is very minimal. It's more of a way of expression. Some women do not want to touch the pole. They're not comfortable. And they just move on the mat or in the room. You don't have to have a pole. And Allison can tell you about the, the San Francisco Polydance, you know, it's definitely in the light and with mirrors and, and what else? San, was-
1: yeah. San Francisco dance is very bright and open. We have a lot of natural lighting. We have mirrors everywhere. We have, different spaces for flexibility classes, acrobatic classes. We do have sexy heel classes, but we do also have a lot of technique classes that are levels. So we level one, two, three, four, and the highest level, um, you're doing tricks that are that are scary that you could actually fall and hurt yourself really badly. We use mats. Uh, it's kind of like a competitive uh, gymnastic, if you imagine, that So we have all levels, all abilities, and it's very bright and open with men. Uh, so it's extremely different. It's like the opposite end of the universe as S-Factor.
4: As yeah, and, and S-Factor uh, emphasizes the emotional. And I think San Francisco boy Dance and other studios emphasize more the physical part and the technique and the, the, the choreography, etc. It's very different. That's why I wanted the contrast. I wanted to show there's different schools of pole and definitely strippers, you know, have their own place as uh, the originators of the sensual right. pole.
3: Um, I, wanted, I wanted to bring that up. You made, Michelle, you made a conscientious effort not to focus much on the stripping and gentlemen's club and what most, at least men think of when they hear about pole dancing. So what was your thinking process? What was your thought process on, on not using that as a way to evolve into this?
4: Well, because I think the story of pole dancers in strip club have been told so many times, and you know, you have hustler, and you have you have so many movies who show that. Um, while acknowledging and giving a nod to the strippers in the film by Janine mentioning Pantera, who was a stripper who was her teacher, Amy saying you know the 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 pole dancing started with strippers and his factor. Um, I wanted to um, show to break the stereotype of okay, there is that too. But here are these amazing athletes who actually are going on their way to maybe become Olympic sport, the pole, pole to become an Olympic sport, and it's not what you think it is. And there is also that side, which is the S-factor side, and there is uh, uh, studios everywhere. Everyone has their own style and method. It will take me, you know, 10-hour series to cover all of them, and that, which I couldn't. So I had to focus on a very specific theme which was healing through central movement. That is the main theme of the film. At the center of this movement, there is a pole. How you use it, it's up to you and your school and your studio and your methods. That's not up to me to decide. I'm there to observe and see how how it happens, and that that is really uh, the core. I, I, I wanted a new story, a fresh story, while acknowledging the history. But this is not a history of pole and who started it. And who we right. didn't didn't do it and that's not this movie this is a very it's a character driven
3: piece what's so interesting to me not knowing what to expect when i started watching it was the fact that the one woman who came to the group just because she wanted to learn how to pole dance for kicks and you know for you know for the the non-therapeutic left, and this really became this this healing group this you know uh, it was, to me, it looked like a group therapy session. You know, very quickly among the women, and uh, and uh, that was very surprising to me. The other point, the other point I wanted to uh, mention is that uh, Sheila, in in the in the conversations that she had as part of the narrative, talked a lot about the male gaze and patriarchy and and you know how men view women in this. The one thing I that that, that my reaction to that as a man was, was not defensive, but I started thinking about how often women are maybe even more critical of other women than men are often men, at least a lot of men that I know are pretty primitive. They either like a woman or they don't They think she's pretty (laughs) or she's not, but I often hear women talking about other women and they're talking about their nails, their makeup, their hair, the clothes they're wearing, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I was wondering what, what, what the thought process is about and, and particularly for you, Allison, about how many other women are critical of of this.
1: I completely agree. I think that when we're when we're very young girls, we compete with each other. And it's it's just something that we do that it's it's not right. It doesn't make it right. But it, as a culture, it's like a mean girl thing when you're growing <laughs> up and we're very competitive right. and we want to steal we want to take and we want, we're jealous. It's just weird. Um, but what I can say from the poll industry, one of the reasons that I fell in love with it is because when I discovered the class that I walked into... I- All the women were supporting each other, encouraging each other, lifting each other up, praising each other, congratulating each other, clapping for each other. It was like this unbelievable world of women that I never even knew existed. And I was like, I want that. Like, I don't have to compete with these women. These women are going to be my cheerleaders. We need more women to cheer each other on and not be the mean girls and not be the competitive and not want what they have, but be happy that they have it and want it too. You know, it's just... The world of poll that I've discovered shows that it it is possible that women can support one another, and it's beautiful.
3: And Michelle is a director. As you were watching, you had 60 women involved, and they volunteered to come for this, and they probably had all different reasons, but many of them, I think from my perspective, were compelled to do this because they had some underlying issues that somehow, even subconsciously, they thought that Paul would help them resolve. And so as a filmmaker, how did you see that thread connecting?
4: I think they came because they wanted to reconnect with their bodies. I don't think they were thinking, I have issues and I'm going to resolve it through sensual movement. I don't think they even crossed their mind. I think they came to just feel some feminine in them because they lost touch with their femininity. Um, abuse is obviously, sexual abuse is a big part of it, but I, it wasn't on the table at all. I think they came to just uh, move and, and feel feminine again. And what came out, and a lot of it is because of what Alison is saying, the sisterhood that was found in the room that allowed them to feel safe to go to the next level and strip down those issues uh, knowing that they are not alone. When you sit in a circle, which is another thing that not every studio start with a circle and Factory does. So it mm-hmm. was an opportunity for me to hear their stories before they even start moving. Um, when people started sharing and uh, women started sharing And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, she's going through the same thing. Oh, she hates her body too. Then you feel like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable and not be judged because somebody else has an issue, bigger or smaller. And that was the magic that happened in the room that none of us expected. Uh, This community that was created that allowed for this process to happen. I can't tell you that this happens every time in the class. Sometimes it doesn't. And I mean, we were we were there to capture whatever it was, whether a woman was quitting because it's so much expected or or uh, jumping right in and, you know, going through this whole transformation.
2: Let's do a quick idea. Quick idea. Our guest is Michelle Ohayan and Alison Hudson from the film Strip Down, Rise Up on Netflix. Um, Michelle, in our remaining moments. What's next both for this project, but what's also next for you in terms of other projects that you have in the works?
4: I'm in uh, recovery mode <laughs> three, <laughs> three years. I'm still doing press. As you can see, the film is doing really well. I am in talks uh, to do a series. I actually was talking today to a main competitor on this on the ball community. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to go there but I'm exploring it uh, since I've been in the world for a while and I I want to tell other stories as well Um, but I have other ideas I'm working on but I do want to just let this ride out and then (laughs) because it is a two year, three year every time, you know, journey for film Um, so I'm taking that time to enjoy the fruits of my hard labor and everybody else in the film and um, but, you know, you will hear from me in another in two, two years again, I'm sure.
2: Very prolific, very prolific filmmaker. And Abbott you, Allison, what's next for you?
1: I'm enjoying my freedom to pole dance in public and have an Instagram account and not be living in fear. That's for one. Uh, But my future honestly is, I just want to continue to become a better pole dancer. I want to be better at coaching. I want to share this love and passion that I have for pole with the world. So any and every opportunity I have to share pole, I do. Like I just shared it with a new friend that I just made through yoga and she's ready to start taking classes. So I'm getting her in. So I just love working with women and men training them, um, seeing them grow, seeing them succeed, seeing them go from not being able to wear their shorts out in public to wearing pole shorts and being proud of their bodies for what they can do. uh, And then seeing them grow as dancers and possibly compete. So I'm enjoying just being free to dance and uh, not be ashamed of it. And then I just want more and more people to find pole. I think it's just overall healing, healthy and fun. And uh, it just makes for a better world. The more pole Answers there are, the better the world will be. (laughs)
3: Allison, is this going to become an Olympic sport? Do
1: you think? it's? Yeah, it's in the talks right now. It's under review. It's possible. So we'll see, but that's where it's headed. It's
2: fantastic. fantastic. It's fantastic. Michelle, actually just in speaking to Allison, are there any other stories of some of the featured um, women in the film that you can share with us? Like what, what else has happened?
4: Well, first of all, I want to say that as a service, we did uh, on our website, stripdownriseup.com, we actually point people to virtual and non-virtual pole classes, including the San Francisco Pole and Dance. So if anybody in Montana wants to see the movie wants to take a class, they can go to our website. And that's a service we're doing for the community. Um so uh I'm sorry what was the question about
2: just some of the other featured uh Oh yes yes
4: I have to talk about a woman I'm really impressed with and unfortunately her story is very short in the film her name is Sally and she um is a cancer survivor as a Jewish woman from New York and literally when I came to film her she was waiting for her second diagnosis Um, to see if she was clear or not clear. And yet she didn't even cancel my interview. And she was like, no, no, we're doing this. I'll just be on a call if my doctor calls. And her bravery um, to hang on to this practice of pole dancing and sensual movement while she was going through chemo twice um, and, you know, losing her hair, getting her hair back. You see a snippet of it in the film. Um, It was very impressive, and I really wanted to go into it a little more, but I just didn't have enough screen time. Uh, But I want to really highlight her. I also want to highlight a woman called uh, Jennifer uh, in the movie that is uh, an Asian woman who has uh, suffered from domestic abuse. I filmed a long story with her. I filmed her with her parents who are immigrants uh, from the Philippines, and I wasn't able to and a mother too and i wasn't able to fit her story and I, I i left her in a small way but still she says you know my my dance is not about being um beautiful being you know it's about being powerful and being strong and reclaiming and that's why she she's in the movie even for a little bit. So that those are little stories that you know st- stayed as a nugget, but I couldn't really develop the whole arc.
2: And what is the website and we, again? And we'd be, just, Strip
4: down we be dot com.
2: Strip down, rise up dot com.
4: Yeah,
3: Arnie, we, would we you just have one one last point. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the story of the woman who talked very um, you know emotionally about her experience as a gymnast with Larry Nasser.
4: That's right, Megan. uh, Megan is a remarkable young woman. Uh, She went through the Larry Nasser abuse when she was 15. And the reason it, now she was 27 when I was filming, and the reason it came back up is because she had to testify. And all of a sudden, everything that she pushed aside came back. And that drove her to come and take a class. And like she said, you know, I don't know who I am, because she managed to kind of, live aside of it. And and then uh, it hit her again in the face. And it was important to me uh, when she said to me, my mom is coming to town. And I said, I really want to talk to your mom because her mom was in the room when this was happening, when he was fondling her. She was in the room and I was sh- shocked as a mother. I'm like, how could I not see? Um, and so she said, my mother is never going to talk to you. Forget about it. And I was like, just ask her. And she asked and she said, yes, I will talk. And again, this is a way of finding a way to say, I'm sorry, through the camera. She wasn't able to say that until now, until I literally pointed the camera at her. And that gave her courage to say to her daughter, I am sorry that I did not protect you. And that was a huge moment for all of us. And that's beyond the film. The, this is why I love right. documentaries. They have a healing aspect, uh, whether it's this or the love story I made out of, you know, the right. couple who fell in love during the Holocaust. And um, I mean,
3: just just this past week, Simone Biles on 60 Minutes talked about her experience with uh, Larry Nasser and how traumatic yeah. that was for her. And, you know, she went a long time without ever you know trying to deal with it. And, you know, and in your documentary, you get much more in depth and and, uh, she has much more to say about how that experience. And you're right. It was completely shocking to me that he was able to do that when the parent of a 15 year old was in the room with her a
4: master in in hiding. So, yes, Megan is is amazing. And she she also gave a lot of interviews. She's now a spokesperson for women who have experienced sexual abuse. Uh, She really made it her life mission Um, to to speak for these women. Listen, everybody, Patricia was in the film, is amazing, and she's a businesswoman and suffered a lot of criticism just doing pole. And I interviewed a woman who literally in San Francisco was a huge CFO of a big company, which she she will not allow me to mention. She, She literally put a hoodie on her face and told me, I cannot tell anyone that I'm a pole dancer or I will be fired. I mentioned it once and they called me a whore. And so I yeah. I can't I can't show you my face and you have to change my voice. And I ended up not using it because it was just weird. But but that's the story. And there are many stories like this. And um, they're all worth and deserve to be told.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You 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 guys have been incredible guests. Again, the name of the film is Strip Down, Rise Up. Michelle Ohine is the writer and director of this. Alison Hudson's featuring it. Alison, Michelle, thank you. We appreciate
4: Thank
1: you. It. you guys. Perfect,
2: yes.
4: Thank you Thanks so for much. It's, it's on Netflix. Every,
2: and it's on everybody
3: Netflix. Everybody should watch it. Everybody yeah. should watch it. And watch I was it with, sorry when it ended. It, it was an hour TV. and 52 minutes, but I wanted more. I wanted oh, that's to learn amazing. More
4: and I, I actually wanted a quick question from you guys. How did you feel watching it uh, as men? What Did that change anything in your perspective? Pers- Exception, no
3: perspective. You know, as I, as, as I you know, I had known about the S factor, you know, I had known obviously about the stereotyping of people who, who do pole, you know, and, and, you know, again, you know, because of where it originated from and the stories, I mean, even uh, Sheila had been in a movie called the blue iguana or a night at the blue iguana, which was about strip, you know, stripping and pole mm-hmm. dancing and all that. But I was just struck at how layered and deep the emotional you know the exposure that this experience had for uh, for the participants you know how how the the pole became a focal point like the campfire for them to to sit around and to to share the experiences and to see pole as a way to heal it you know you always sometimes you have trauma in your life and there's no way to heal it and it seemed like this became the vehicle to help Overcome or help heal or to help grow or to, you know, to, you know, move beyond the shame and the trauma that was going on in their lives. And I just found that, you know, incredibly eye opening to me.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I watched it with my wife, um, Kathy Michelle, and it was great because I felt like for me, it opened, it's just nice. It's good to hear stories of how people kind of, to Arnie's point, cope with different, you know, traumatic events in their life and how this is how therapeutic this was.
1: I just, I wanted to share something if there's time, I don't know if we're running out, but um, my my sister, uh, the one that I told you was became a stripper and, and, took her down some bad roads. So the night that the movie came out, she called me and she said, I just saw the movie that you're in. And she was crying. She was bawling. She had tears. She was just, she couldn't even keep it together. And she's like, that movie was for me. She goes, I have been struggling and suffering and I thought I was the only one. And she goes, I just saw this movie of all these women who have been shamed and abused and they've shut down their femininity and they've shut down their sexuality and their bodies are frozen. She's like, that's me. And wow. she's like, I want to go take a pole class now. And she was just bawling. That's going, great. Thank you for doing this that's film amazing. and for sharing it with me. And I'm like, how many other women are out there like that?
0: Hunter Bay Coffee.
5: You've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drugdisposal.
2: All right, Arnie. We're back with our remaining moments. That was a great conversation with Michelle and crew. Um, any final thoughts? You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting how this is
3: received, you know, as it gets broader exposure. I mean, it only dropped February fifth, so it only dropped a few weeks ago, and uh, it's probably going to get more exposure than any of our other uh, documentaries, given the fact that it's on Netflix and and people are homebound more than they have been before so it's probably going to get a a bigger audience than anything she's ever uh you know directed or written and i'm anxious to see how it all you know turns out the early reviews have been very strong there's been a little bit of a pushback by some uh some critics of it the way you know as any documentary would have and i'm interested to see how it all turns out for michelle
2: as am I, and I'm really thankful that we had her as a guest and we featured the film. Again, the film is Stripped Down, Rise Up. It's on Netflix. Watch it now. Arnie, I will see you next week. See you next week, Scott. Take care. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO.
0: The best.
5: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
0: How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write.